I hope that your heart's rejoicing already so that if Jesus were to come in the clouds today, you'd be ready to greet him as one of his own. Oh, may our hearts rejoice in him to consider that he gave himself for us that we could be with him forever. Would you take your Bible, your copy of God's word, and turn with me to the letter of, to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3 is what we're going to look at this morning. The book of Ephesians is one of my all-time favorite books. And the reason it is is because it describes to me who I am in God's eyes. It tells me the wonder privilege I have to be in Christ. We just sang, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. Well, what happens when he moves into our heart? What happens when we are part of that but as many as receive him? Well, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Do we begin to comprehend that privilege? To be adopted into the family of God, to become one of his children. I love how Ephesians puts it. In Ephesians chapter 1, right after the introduction greeting, in verses 1 and 2, in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1, this benediction, this praise goes forth. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The whole book of Ephesians is about the union we have with Jesus. It is he in us, us in him, our union with him, we are one with Christ. That's why we can become the sons of God. We become joint heirs with Christ because we are in Christ. Our sins have been washed away for Christ took them upon himself and then he took and he clothed us with his righteousness so that we could be a part of this family. Look at verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. This morning we talked a little bit in Bible Hour about the concept of being holy. That is to be set apart. We as sinful human beings before the foundation of the world, God chose us to be a part of his family that we should be set apart, holy, and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Have you ever felt left out? Have you ever felt left out? The greatest love in all the universe, in fact, the only true love is God himself. He is love. He is the beloved. Three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when we become one of his children, 
we are accepted in that, beloved. Wow. When we pray or sing prayerfully, oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. We are acknowledging a spiritual reality that is beyond comprehension. I can't comprehend it. To be filled with all the fullness of God, to be accepted in the beloved, oh, to be before Him blameless, Him in love. If this isn't exciting enough for you, turn over to chapter 3. If there's ever a day when I find that I can't find anything in the Scriptures that I struggle through, some of those passages in Leviticus or wherever that may be more difficult to apply, I always turn to Ephesians chapter 3 because there is a prayer. Sometimes when I don't know how to pray for myself or for my children or for my family or for my church, sometimes when I don't know how to pray at all, I turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Because as a child of God, I have special access to God. I can march right into wherever he's at. There's no do not disturb on his study door or his um, make the world go round office. No, by him all things consist, but through Jesus Christ we have direct access to the Father and we can walk right in there boldly. We have, we have, acceptance. That's why Paul could pray this prayer for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 14. That church was really struggling over Paul's condition, and he wrote to them, and he says in verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's really exciting to me. Because here's the truth that he's been preaching all through this book up to this point. And that is, is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are accepted in the beloved, and you are in Christ. You're one with Christ. And now he talks about this prayer that's to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which means it is to my Father. Because I'm in Christ. And if you're a believer today and you have received him, to, them, to you it has been given the power to become the sons of God. For you are in Christ, and Christ in you. You're the child of God. And you too can bow your knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's also your daddy, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Those who have gone before of the children of God are in his presence, and those here still on this earth are still of the whole family. And look at what this grant is. Now, I don't know what kinds of things you may ask your dad for. I'll tell you, this year has been a hard year because there have been hundreds, in fact, numerous times that I have wanted to pick up my phone and call my dad. But since August 7th, I haven't been able to do that. There's a lot of questions I have for him, a lot of things I'd like to ask him. And in many years of recent years, is not that I come asking him for anything physical or particular. I've come to him to ask for wisdom and to ask for counsel. But as he's been gone, you know, one of the things that I miss 
and I didn't even realize that I had it, was that of being accepted in the beloved. To know that he loved me and that he cared about me, that I could come and I could confide in him, I could be vulnerable to him, I could pour my heart out to him, and he would respond with love. I had the wonderful privilege to have such a dad who was in Christ, who sought to live his life walking in the love of Christ as a dear child of God. And then it makes these passages so much more precious to me because I had a dad who modeled forth what a dad should be. And now, when I've been forsaken, so to speak, by my father, the Lord lifts me up. I found many times, in fact, where maybe in some senses my dad was but of a crutch to me. Sometimes I'd call dad things before I'd call on my heavenly father. And it's been one of the greatest reminders in these recent months that I always should have and now can continue always to really knock on the office door of the office that makes the world go round. <laughs> my problems are so insignificant and yet he can keep going on the job. He's the greatest multitasker. I mean, he keeps the world going round, and yet he cares about me to hear me as though I were the only one. That's perhaps one of the most marvelous truths of who my God is that I marvel in every day. As though there be millions of people that cry out to him, that call out to him in his omniscience and in his omnipresence, he deals with me, though I be the only one accepted in the beloved. Wow. Cares about me. My God cares about me. He's my Father. My Father in heaven. And you know, He gives out grants. <laughs> That's what it says here at Ephesians, right? There is this prayer that he, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would grant you, check this out, according to the riches of his glory. You see, my Father in heaven has untold riches, unfathomable. The expanse of his riches cannot be calculated for not only does he have the riches of physical things, for all the world is his, but he has everything that my heart needs. He has everything that my spirit needs, and it is all glory. And he can grant to me according to all of that. Wow! Wow! You know, there's different organizations and governments that give out grants. You ever heard about it? Sometimes it provokes people because it's your money they're giving away, and you're like, hey, I don't like, right? Well, grants sometimes are kind of, um, hmm, hard in certain senses of our world, but not so with our Heavenly Father, for He has limited, I'm sorry, limitless resources, glorious resources to be able to grant to us of his glory. What is one of those? To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Oh, 
if I, if we could comprehend the glory of what that just said. We need strength every day, don't we? I do. We need strength every day. Do you know how God gives us that strength? By giving to us His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit moves inside of us, lives inside of us. This is the same Holy Spirit that hovered upon the face of the deep in the first day of creation, was part of the creation of the world. This is the Holy Spirit of God himself. And we are granted the strength and the might by the Spirit of God in the inner man. You realize that we're not only accepted in the beloved, but then he pours out and he gives to us and he indwells us with his own spirit. Meaning we have no need of any more glory or strength or might. We have it all. And if that's not enough, keep reading about this grant. Keep reading this grant. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints. There it is, guys. We talked about holy this morning, about being saints. That's not talking about some select group of people dead and... No, it's talking about every single Christian who has received the Lord Jesus Christ that makes you holy, that makes you set apart, that makes you a saint. We may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, the gift of Christmas is God himself. It's really the greatest gift. It's the only gift that matters. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's not just some everlasting life that starts someday when you die or in the future. It's a life right now of being accepted in the beloved, of having not only the strength and might of God through his spirit in us and Christ dwelling in us richly by faith with all of his love filling and flowing through us. But did you see the end of that prayer in verse 19? That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh. That's why he came. So he could redeem us, so he could buy us back, so he could live inside of us and give us all of the strength and all of the might and all of the love that we could ever need or desire. He is it all. He left his throne, his kingly crown, when he came to earth. For me. 
But in Bethlehem's home, there was found no room for his holy nativity. Do we pray with sincerity what we sing each Christmas? Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. You see, when I read that, I actually kind of when my intellectual brain starts thinking about it, doubt it. Because how can all the fullness of God fit in this finite, insignificant creature? No. He's redeemed me and he does fill me. It's one of the glories of being in the image of God. Yes, I'm still finite. But I can have the privilege of having all the fullness of God in me. But do I find and seek for love, for strength, for might in all the wrong places? Sometimes we do, don't we? And then we wonder why we are weak and why we are sad and why we are frustrated and why we feel so alone. It's because we've lost the perspective of the love of God, which did you see what this is? We can comprehend it and we can know it. Did you see what it says? Which passeth knowledge. That means it's beyond knowledge. Why? Because we have limited it to our knowledge sometimes. We don't view God as big as he really is. We don't view him as big, bigger than our own problems. We've made him too small. So when we sing this, let's not make him too small. But realize and know that in all his fullness, we can be filled. Do we give him our time? Do we give him the priority in our days and in our life? Do we come to him as daddy? Again, picture that. I don't know how many of you have ever had a dad who had a home office or something like that, you know? In my house, I do have a home office, and sometimes the door gets closed, and there's a little sign on it that says, do not disturb. Here I work sometimes, and I like to have an open-door policy, right? Leave the door open most of the time, but sometimes I just have to close that door because I got some work to get done. You know, God never does that with us, but it seems as if sometimes we do it to him. And not only is he always active, again, I like the idea of makes the world go round office. I mean, literally, that's what he's doing. Make the world go round office, he's working in. But yet, when I f neglect to go in there and to marvel in what he's doing in the world, when I neglect to praise and to glorify him as I behold his workings in the world, when I neglect to bring my problems to that office, hey, that's the office to bring your problems to. I mean, you could try the government offices around here and some other nonprofit. I, you ain't nothing compared to bringing it to the office that makes the world go round. God can do anything, and he's ready there to receive our problems and to work in our lives. But so often, I don't go there. We don't go to that throne of grace. And here's what amazes me is that when I fail to go to him, as I read in Revelation, he comes to my heart's door. And you know what he's doing?
he'd like in. Will I open the door to him when I hear him knocking? That he can come in and he and I can have fellowship together. This is what's great about our God, is that he can still make the world go round while he knocks on our heart's door. And not just my heart's door, but every single one of his children who failed to be in his office. Well, let's not call it an office. That sounds too sterile. But with him in his belovedness. When I fail to be in his belovedness and bring my problems to him, he's, he's there knocking on my heart. He's seeking me out. That's amazing. Wow. That's how much he loves me. His desire is to come in to me to have sweet fellowship with me like we can have at having a meal. A sweet fellowship between human beings so we can have that with God. And that's what he wants. And so when we pray, when we prayerfully sing, oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. Let us pray it with sincerity and with joy. Let me give you a little hint. We have an adversary who's going about, I think, even in this room in one way or another, to say, you failed. You, you, you can't be a part of this relationship that preacher's talking about. He's a liar. Yes, you can. It doesn't matter if how many times you've failed. It doesn't matter how many times you've neglected to go to him and to bring your problems to him. He's there ready to receive you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, if the adversary is telling you that your guilt is overwhelming, that you really don't, aren't worthy to have a relationship with him, that you really can't say this, or even to tell you you don't even mean it, tell him to get behind you. Satan, which means adversary, liar, the father of lies, and turn to your heavenly Father who has accepted you in the beloved. And rejoice in that fact. Glory in him and who he is. And when this happens, look again with me at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, because now the prayer shifts from a prayer of Paul asking that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would grant to his children in Ephesus and by extension, every child of God, himself, because that's really what this prayer is about. It's a prayer that God give himself to his people. Love. God is love. And then look what it says in verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You see, this is again bringing us back to the bigger picture of who God is. I've convicted sometimes, and I still do it, and I try not to, but I still do it. I say, just in my prayers. Will you just do this, God? He doesn't want us to be asking for just prayers. He's ready to do for us even above that we can think or ask because he's the guy that makes the world go round. And he wants to fill us with all his fullness. So let's let him in.
Let him in to your heart. Let him into your life every moment of every day. Walk in him. Live in him. Breathe in him. For you are accepted in the beloved. Dear friends, perhaps you haven't been accepted into the beloved. There's nothing you need to do to earn this privilege because Jesus came to earth to do it all for you. If you're not accepted in the beloved, it's simply because you have not received Jesus Christ, the gift of Christmas. For it says that, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And if you're not a part of the them, then no, you don't have that access to God. But it's easy to get it. All you need to do is receive him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will move in. That's how you get saved. That's how you become a Christian. And dear Christians, do you know how we live? The same way. Every moment of every day, we trust him. For we are accepted in the beloved. I tell you that there's nothing you can do to earn this privilege and this access. Well, the reason is, is because Jesus did it all. Would you take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 147? Our memory verse for this week is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now that's some pretty bad news to be meditating on Christmas week, don't you think? But oh, we need not just meditate on the bad news, but the bad news makes the good news all the more good and all the more precious and all the more wonderful. The good news is that Jesus is the gift of God who came to this earth to die. You say, really? Yes, really. He came to this earth to die to die so that we could be part of his family, that he could redeem us. There was a ransom fee and penalty for all of us, and he paid it. So we ask the question, why did he go to Calvary? Let's rewind or back up a little bit and ask, why did he come to earth? And the answer is that he could die. And why did he have to die? So that he could pay the ransom for you and I. He could buy us from the bondage and slavery of sin and the devil and make us his own, accepted in the beloved. The expense and the cost was the price Jesus paid with his own shed blood. So would you stand with me as we ask and as we sing this question, why? And let us rejoice in the answers. <laughs>